right. Thank you, band. It's always great to sing early in the morning. Now, I'm going to ask you something. As you guys are getting situated, make sure your seats are in the position that you want them to be, because as soon as you move, just a little bit, just it just reverberates. Like, what? Just move. Everyone, move your chair just a little bit. See, look how loud it is. Look at that. Look at that. So, just be, yeah, just... Be aware, be aware as we're opening up God's word. Okay, get situated. Here we go. Alright, that's good. That's good. <laughs> They're going to be doing that all. Alright, well just be aware of that. Alright, you don't want to distract your peers from hearing the, the word of the Lord. Um, as we present the gospel, as we present God's word, just be mindful of that. One of the one of the goals of this camp, at least from the sermon perspective, was illustrated to me yesterday while I was eating dinner. And I was sitting there and I was having this good conversation with, uh, with Jacob about hobbies, things that we like to do. When all of a sudden these guys behind me, they started like going and saying, look, do you, do you see that? And there's like these tiny little waves coming in. These, surf, these kids that love to surf, they're like... Dude, we could totally be hitting that right, you know, taking a left, and a, you know, I don't know all the terminology, but they were, they were beholding the glory of these tiny waves, and then their heart and their desires were just spurred on, they like, they wanted to get out there, right, they were moved towards surfing. Well, my heart is for us to behold Christ, and that, that same reaction that they had would hopefully be our reaction to Christ. The more that we focus in on Him the more you'll come to see that Jesus provides everything that you need, especially if you're not a believer, and even more so for you believers, to walk and to live the Christian life. And so I'd love to draw your attention to an encounter with Christ in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. So turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. And we're going to see Jesus encounter this man with an incurable disease. In Mark chapter 1, Mark's gospel can be split up into two sections. It's the easiest way to split up the gospel. Mark chapter 1 through 8, and then chapter 9 through 16. And the whole point of Mark, for the most part, is trying to ask, you know, trying to prove the, the, the statement in verses 1 of chapter 1, when Mark says, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then the rest of the book of Mark is trying to show you that Jesus is the Son of God. He's trying to, and trying to prove that. We see these great statements in Mark chapter 8. Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ. And then in Mark, I believe, chapter 15, there's the Roman centurion who sees Jesus on the cross and he says, truly, this is the Son of God. And so the whole book of Mark is trying to answer the question, who is Jesus and what is he like? That's kind of the question that we're going to be answering. Who is Jesus? Why should I behold him? What does it mean to behold? What am I looking at when I'm, when I'm focusing by faith in my heart and meditating on Christ? What is it about Jesus that I am to behold, to be captured by? In my desires. And we're going to see who Jesus is and his work for us in this passage. Let me read the text. Verse 40. As 
Jesus had just started his preaching ministry. He's healing many. And then verse 40, and a leper came to him. Try to get the picture in your mind. Jesus is walking, he's doing ministry, and this, this diseased man comes to him, imploring him, and kneeling. He kneels before him and he said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretches out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And then Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, fulfill Leviticus 14, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. But, verse 45, he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. Interesting little passage here, but it is jam-packed full with Christology, with who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And I want to show you, just in a little section, how just a little bit of meditation on Christ, as you're reading the scriptures, can draw out so much gold for us. But let me pray before we jump in. Father God, thank you so much for this passage. This is the living word of God. This actually happened. And so, Lord, as we just focus in on the scene, Lord, may you capture our hearts. May you capture my heart. Show us your love and your compassion, your mercy and your grace, and teach us how we are to respond to such mercy. God, we love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to see three things in the text. First, we're going to see the leper. Second, we're going to see the Savior. And lastly, we're going to see our response. So right at the beginning, Jesus is walking and a leper came to him imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. So the first question we need to ask is, what is a leper? A leper is an animal with these spots on it. And so this animal comes... I'm joking. Not a leopard. It's not a leopard. It's a leper. A leper. So someone with leprosy is what it's called is actually someone with a chronic skin disease. Did you know that? So leprosy. So this man that has leprosy has this chronic skin disease, and it's also known as Hansen's disease. So you could, people actually have leprosy today. What is leprosy, and what are the effects of it on someone in that time? And so, this, so we got to get to know the man that's coming to Jesus. Leprosy was this skin disease that would deteriorate muscles. It was, it was an infection of the skin causing nerve damage. It, was a, it would waste away the muscles. It would swell. So someone with leprosy would have swollen skin. It would be scabby. So their skin would be flaking off. Um, they would lose numbness in their arms. So, so they would bump into things and they wouldn't even know it. And then they would start bleeding Right? And they, they would have no idea. They would have a flattened, depressed nose. 
because they're literally deteriorating. They would have to wear ripped, it was in the, uh, the law of Moses, they had to rip, uh, wear torn clothes and they had, to, they had to wrap their heads and they had to wear a mask, in a sense. And they were quarantined and they lived in tombs with, away from society. They were cast out of society. They were cast away from the synagogue. They couldn't even go near the temple or near any, any uh, basically the synagogue. So they couldn't see a priest. They couldn't interact. They couldn't hear God's word. They were cut off. And so their skin would be inflamed. And if you ever went to a leprosy colony, which you could do today in other countries, is their flesh would be literally rotting and the smell, the stench of it would fill wherever you... You could smell them from feet away. Paul Washer, I remember in a sermon, he was talking when he went to a leprosy colony, he said you could smell it from hundreds of feet away. Just rotting flesh. It's a terrible, chronic disease. And so this man was deemed unclean. So to be a leper meant that you were unclean. Now in Jewish society, under the law, to be unclean was, was the same as someone coming up to you and saying, you are damned. You're unclean. There's no hope for you. Right? Because to be unclean was to be cast out. You had no access to the sacrificial system. You had no access to the synagogue. No access to church back then. You were banned from the joys of life. You were marked, and so they, they had to cover their mouths when they, when they talked. In fact, they had to social distance, so you could only come about 5 to 10 feet away. And then on a windy day, they had to stay up to 75 feet away from people. And when they would walk, they would have to say, if someone's coming along, they'd have to go, unclean, 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 and warn them that they have leprosy because it was so contagious. So imagine this man and his life. He's unloved. He lives in tombs with other sick people. He's an outcast. Every time he is looked at by someone, it's not with pity, it's with disgust. Get away from me. During the pandemic, you kind of had a microcosm of this. Uh, at least you could feel a little bit of it if you didn't wear a mask and you got these looks, right? Get away from me. But this is his whole entire life. They would have to shave their head, yell unclean whenever they went, wherever they went. And leprosy would progressively and slowly deteriorate your body to the point where you die. You lose limbs, you lose fingers. So here he is, this man, unloved, never felt the warm embrace of a hug, didn't celebrate birthdays, family never came around. That's his life. He's an outcast, a social outcast. That's a great picture. Leprosy, physical leprosy, is a great picture of sin and spiritual leprosy. None of you are, are lepers, otherwise you wouldn't be here. This man had a chronic disease, but all, each and every one of us are born with a chronic disease as well. A much more deadly disease called sin. And there's a lot of correlations between our sin and being spiritually unclean and spiritually unholy, just like this man was. 
Like leprosy, sin is chronic, is it not? It's all comprehensive. Just as the ocean is filled with salt, salt is, is it's all comprehensive. It's, it's salty. It's not fresh water. Just as salt plagues the ocean and, and covers it, so our sin, when we're born in sin, it's all comprehensive. And sin will progressively kill you. It strangles you. It estranges you from love. It numbs your heart to the truth. It keeps you from the only source of healing that you need. In fact, sin is so deceptive, it makes you feel like you're clean when you're really not. And just as a leper would die a thousand deaths, alone, depressed, and hopeless, so it is the wages of sin is death. And so when we trifle with sin, we're playing with death. And just as the man would have to yell, unclean, unclean, so it is for those who perish in their sins. They will spend an eternity in hell hearing over and over and over the depart from me for you are unclean, unclean, unclean. In this man's life, we have a great example of sin and its results. But there's hope, right? What should we do with our sin that's eating us away? We should do exactly what the leper did. What did he do? And the leper, look at the verse, came to him. He came to him. He probably went to all these other doctors. He probably tried to find some ointments and some plants, some herbs that might help his disease, but nothing can cure it. There's nothing he can do until he hears of Jesus and this man who's healing a ton of people. And so he goes to him. He does the one thing that he should have done. And he goes to him and he implores him. He begs him. And then what else does it say? And kneeling, he bows down to him. And he says, if you will, you can make me clean. He goes to Jesus, and that's exactly what we need to do in our sin. Whether we're non-believers or believers, we go to Jesus with our sin. We go to Jesus with the, the indwelling sin that plagues us, even as believers. We've been saved from the dominion of sin. It no longer has power, but yet it still indwells us. Romans 7 talks about this. And so what are we to do? We go to him. And what is Jesus' response? What is Jesus' response? And I have... Six points about the Savior here. So he runs to the Savior. He runs to the Savior. And what does Jesus say? What does it say? Moved with pity, he stretches out his hand and he touched him and said, I will be clean. And so the first thing that we see, how, do, how does Jesus respond to sinners and sufferers? To the outcast, to the unloved. How does he respond? First, we see the Savior's compassion. The Savior's compassion. It says that he was moved with pity. The word pity can be translated compassion. You know what compassion is? Compassion is somewhat of the feeling that you get when you see, probably you see injustice or you see someone in need. And you're, it's like the insides, your bowels are moved with compassion. That's what it actually means in the Greek. It means to be moved with all of you, all of who you are towards someone. And so 
Get the picture of this leper who's unclean. He can't go near anyone because if anyone goes near to him or touches him, they're made unclean. And he breaks the ceremonial law and he comes to Jesus. And Jesus didn't say, dude, get away from me, dude. You're unclean. What does he do? He receives him. He's moved with pity. What a great picture of, of sinners coming to Jesus. What is Jesus' response? He's moved with compassion. And actually, this word pity, you could circle it. It also has a, a connotation of, of Jesus. It means that he's angry. He's moved with anger. That's kind of weird. Why would he be angry? You guys remember the story of Lazarus? Yeah. When, when his friend dies... And Jesus comes on the scene and he sees Mary. And, and Mary is, and, and the people, they're weeping. And you know what it says about Jesus? It says that he was deeply moved. And that word can be translated, he was moved to anger. He was mad. Why? Why? Because they were crying? No, because of the effects of sin. And so when Jesus sees this man and all of his sin, all of his, sin his misery, his loneliness, his helplessness. He's moved with anger at the effects of sin. And so we see the Savior's compassion. And I have to ask you the question. As a believer, is this your reaction to sin and injustice? When you see an offense, when you see an outcast, when you see someone, and you know the outcast of society, the people that don't, don't get talked to, that aren't in the cool crowd... Are you moved with pity towards them? Jesus is moved towards them. It's so unlike the world because here's the problem. Why we don't like to, to go towards these type of people is because if we associate with them, then it might ruin our reputation. But Jesus associates with the lowly and he, he goes towards them. And if you're a believer... This is, even in your sin, the Father is moved with pity and anger towards the effects of sin in your life. And then what does Jesus do? Look at the text. So he's moved with pity, but he's not just, ah, I'm so sorry for this guy. He's moved to action. And look what he does. This is incredible. He stretches out his hand and he touches him. He touches him. He breaks the ceremonial law because to touch something that was unclean meant that meant what? You are unclean, right? So Jesus touches him. And so we see not only the Savior's compassion, but, but secondly, the Savior's humanity. Why, how do we see the Savior's humanity here? Because in touching him, what is Jesus doing? He's associating with him. Think about it. This man had never felt the warm embrace. He had never been touched. And Jesus is here and he, and he touches him. He feels the warmth of Jesus. Jesus, our God, is not just a God who is transcendent above, who lives in the heavens and, and does not get near to us. But what did Jesus do? What's his whole life? Jesus came, he took on flesh and he came near to you and I. He suffered. He walked on this earth. He experienced pain. Experience what we experience. He was tempted as every way that we were, yet without sin, right? 
He is not a God who is far off but near. And so in touching him, Jesus is associating with him. He's saying, you are not too far gone for me. You are not too disgusting for me. Everyone else has run from you. I'm coming this close to you to the point where he is touching him. And that's, that's, that's the doctrine of Jesus' humanity. Taking on flesh, associating with us, walking the life, coming under the law for us. Could you imagine going through your life and never feeling the warm embrace of a parent or a loved one? I think we take that for granted. And now here Jesus is doing that for this man. There's a kid in our youth ministry named Isaiah. Isaiah was adopted from China. And in the orphanage in China, he spent 14 months alone. No one talked to him. And he would cry out and cry out all night long because he was hungry and sick and no one would come. Until a family adopted him. And brought him in and embraced him. And it's just a great picture of us and our sin. Jesus comes down and he touches him. But then this also shows us, number three, the Savior's divinity. The Savior's divinity. So we see his compassion, his humanity. He associates with the lowly. And then we see his divinity. Why? Because he touches him and Jesus doesn't become unclean. The man becomes clean immediately. So whatever Jesus touches becomes clean. He is not affected by sin. He is the sinless Savior. Whatever he touches is transformed. So that's just, it just goes to show his power and his divinity. Because what does it say in the text? It says, verse 22, or 42, it says, And immediately the leprosy, what? You guys following along? And immediately the leprosy left him. It didn't take time. It didn't take days. It was immediately he was made clean. And so we see the divinity of Jesus here. That Jesus had to become a man, yes, to obey the law like we were supposed to, to die in our place, a human being, but he's also divine. He's also the healer. He is also the one who has power over sickness and death and sin. And he died on the cross for us, taking the wrath of God for us. So we see the Savior's compassion, we see his humanity, we also see his divinity, that whatever he touches becomes clean. And, number, and then the fourth one, we see the Savior's power. It was an immediate, it was an immediate change, an immediate transformation. And anyone here that is a Christian knows that when they encounter Christ by faith, it is an immediate, all-comprehensive change, a transformation. So Jesus' response to this man is he's moved with pity. He stretches out his hand. He doesn't move away. He goes into. He moves towards the unloved. He moves towards the outcasts. He moves towards society's down and outers. Do you have the same heart as a believer? Or do you move towards sinners and sufferers in that way? Not just for any sake, but to heal them. And Jesus brings physical healing. And so we see that in his compassion, his humanity, his divinity, his power. And then lastly, we see the Savior's command. So what does Jesus call him to do? Look at verse 43. 
In light of this healing, in light of what Jesus has done, he then sternly charges him. What? He says, and Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. So Jesus says, I want you to now go obey the law. I've healed you. Now do this one thing. I just showed you this grace and mercy. Now I want you to do this one thing. Go and obey. Go and and fulfill the ceremonial law here. And in Leviticus 14, if you want to read it, Leviticus 14 is a pretty interesting passage. It's all about the laws relating to leprosy. And what they would have to do is that they would have to, if, if they're clean from leprosy, they would have to go see a priest. The priest would have to examine them and then deem them, un, or deem them clean. And then they would have to sacrifice a lamb. And once they did that, then they could go back into society. They could go back into life. They could go back to the synagogues. They could go back into just normal life. And so Jesus says, hey, I want you to obey the law of Moses. I want you to go and do this. And in the same way, when you come to Jesus and he heals you, he gives us commands. He says, I want you to forsake your sin, forsake your former life and follow me. But what does this man do? Does he obey? Verse 45. What does it say? But he went out and began to talk freely about it. And he spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. So get the picture here. Jesus is able to walk around in towns. And this man, this leper, lived out in the wilderness. He was banished. He was exiled. Jesus gives him a command. Go to most. Don't say anything. Or so go to the priest. Make an offer for your cleansing. But he doesn't. The man goes into the city and starts telling everyone what Jesus had done. So that Jesus is now forced out into what? The wilderness. Jesus is now exiled. He can no longer go into the towns. And so this last point encapsulates the gospel, and that is the Savior's exchange. Jesus literally takes the place of the leper. He is cast out. He is banished. He is exiled, while the man is able to go into the cities freely. And isn't that a good picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us? We sinned against him. We were spiritually unclean. We had the chronic disease of sin. We deserve to be cast out. We were living in the wilderness. But by God's grace, Jesus came. He says, I will take your place. I will be banished. I will be forsaken. I will feel the wrath of God. And I will take your place on that cross for you. So that you can go free. The Savior's exchange. And it is a great exchange. He takes our place. Jesus, the Savior of the outcast, becomes the outcast on the cross so that we can enjoy the blessings of son, being sons and daughters of the King. Why would Jesus do such a thing? He would bear our sin, our spiritual leprosy on that cross when it should have been us 
And so, how do we conclude this? What are some applications here? First, some of you, you're a spiritual leper, and you're here. You need to do the one thing that the leper did right. Because the leper disobeyed. He, spurned, he, he scorned the word of the Lord. He didn't obey. He was physically healed, but not spiritually healed. But the one thing that the leper did that you need to do is that you need to come to Jesus. You need to implore Him. Beg Him. Lord, if you will, make me clean. I need to be clean. And by faith, say, save me. Lord, help me. And He will. And the Lord will touch you by the gospel through the Holy Spirit. And He will make you clean. And it's not just a half cleansing. It's a comprehensive cleansing. You become a new creature, right? So are you unclean? Then go to him, implore him, bow to him. Stop running to these other things in this world to help you. For cleanliness, you feel guilt. So what you do is you distract yourself with, by binge watching Netflix or playing video games. You're so insecure, you want affirmation so bad, but you're trying to find it in everyone but the Lord. That's why you dress a certain way. That's why you eat a certain way. That's why the moment you came onto this camp, you started to compare yourself to other students. It's because you're insecure. You're looking for satisfaction and affirmation in other people rather than Christ. You want their approval. You want them to say, you are clean. Here, come hang out with the cool crew now. But that won't get you anywhere. You need Jesus. You need to go to Him. Implore Him. Bow to Him. And then... You need to obey him. Go to the great high priest and let his sacrifice be the thing that cleanses you day by day. See, Jesus says, hey, I want you to go to the priest. I want you to make an offering. But we have a great high priest, right? One who intercedes for us. One who defends us. One who prays for us. Go to him. Look to his sacrifice. Behold him. And then lastly... Unlike the leper, in light of all that Christ has done for us in the gospel, why would you not want to obey him? Why would you not want to hear his word, to love his word, to read his word, to experience the benefits of his word, to experience the benefits of Christ? Why would you not want to love the outcast? Why would you not want to serve? When Christ gave it all for you, why would you not want to evangelize? See, the motivation for holy living has to be Christ and his work for you. And when you come to realize that, when you come to meditate on that, that you were just as destitute and hopeless as this man, once you come to see that and see the depths and the heights and the riches of God's grace towards you, you will never, ever find holiness in your life. You will not grow until you put your faith in Christ, until you look to him and behold him and allow him to change you and transform you. So in light of all that he's done for you, why would you not want to do that? Why would you not want to love the outcasts like Christ? So a practical implication, when you, when you come to youth group, Tri-City, that's a Tuesday night, right? FCC, when do you guys meet? Wednesday, Wednesday night. night. When you come to a Wednesday night and you have new visitors that come and they don't know anyone, is your heart moved towards them? Do you bring them in or do you stay with your cliques? Unclean, unclean, they're not allowed in. 
See, the gospel transforms the way that we view people. It transforms the way that we think about youth ministry. There's even practical implications here. Are you moved with pity towards those that don't know Jesus? And if you are a believer and you are wrestling, just like I have, feeling, I don't think the Lord loves me. I don't know if if he cares for me. I've missed my Bible reading today. I feel guilty. I feel shame. I haven't been living the way that I wish I could. If you're a son of the king, he's moved with pity towards you. He hates sin. He hates to see you in sin. Just like I hate to see my daughter sick, so it is the father hates to see his sons and daughters sick with sin. Run to him. Implore him. Look to him to be clean. So, are you clean? Spiritually. I know some of you physically are not right now, but are you clean spiritually? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this passage. I just love the heart of Christ. He's moved. He's so moved towards this man. Even though this leper would shun him, he would not. Jesus knew he's all knowing. He knew that this man would not obey. He knew that this man would not be thankful. He knew that he wouldn't trust in you by faith. And yet you were still moved towards him. You still loved him. And God, I, I know that there are some here that are spiritually decaying. They're dead. They're unclean. God, would you move towards them? Open up their heart to receive the gospel. And for these believers, Lord, I pray that they would not shun you as they are trying to live for you. I pray that they would go back to the cross, go back to Christ day by day, beholding the Lord of glory, being transformed from one glory, one degree of glory to the next by the Holy Spirit, that they would look to you constantly. We love you, Lord. We just thank you for this encounter with Christ and your heart towards the outcasts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you, JT. Okay. Here we go.